0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist
1: hello so we're back a couple of days later than our classic on the bottom post final game pod in this episode purely due to the fact that i'm selfishly moving house later on this week and we had to find the time at work. So he comes to you in good spirits, maybe because my move has come through finally, and I'm drinking. And Nick, well, just because he's drinking, no doubt. But I think he got the uh, got the jab today as well, so halfway on the road to immunity. No, I think we time this week. He and the correspondent will return after the national break. But as
0: you heard, uh, the universal's here, and he's jabbed up. Nick, you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Fully jabbed. got my vaccination today. If you're wondering why we're both uh, vaccinated um, and you've got some spare time actually over the international break, then it's worth checking out our Get to Know You pod, which um, we didn't do last summer. I think it was the summer before that we recorded it, uh, just a little bit about us and and why we did the podcast in the first place. Um, So, yeah, check that out if you haven't already. Um, Otherwise, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's great to be finally vaccinated, starting to think the end of the the lockdown is really, really, really could happen at some point. So... All positive, all positive. Reminder, of course, who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. Um, Make sure to give us a follow on social media if you haven't already. Uh, Tom at WGTA underscore FPL. Myself at WGTA underscore Nick. And Anthony at FPL Stag. And also Instagram. Give us a follow there if you haven't already. It's WGTA.FPL. And the mini league code as well if you want to join our league is CPSUOF. So I'll give a quick roundup of what we're going to discuss. I think we're just going to literally just have a little bit about the home straight and how are we going to attack it? So there's no fixed agenda really, just to chat about a wide range of things and about how the template could shift as we enter the business end of the season. Mm. Uh, uh, Correspondent is also going to take a back seat due to time constraints, but it will be back with Anthony's return. It's it's not dead, we promise.
1: <laughs> we haven't killed Anthony, we haven't killed the uh, killed the section. Um, I just don't feel like I could do it justice slash speak in his Irish chipmunk mode, which is uh, a yeah, trademark to him, I suppose. Uh, but as usual, uh, let's start off with the game reviews and the market forces. Nick, I believe you didn't have the best
0: of Plank Game Week 29s. No, it was, it was really, really bad. <laughs> it was um, 39 <laughs> points. Actually, to be honest, like the, the red arrow wasn't too severe. I don't mean you know, it. was from 79k back to 97k, which um, was the same sort of rank I was in game of 27 anyway. So, you know, it's not a huge, huge fall, but it's just unfortunate because I feel like this was a week where we saw some people actually who free-hitted. I mean, I Anthony mean, smashed it. with we was sort of about getting double my score around seventy. Yeah, he got, he
1: got 78, yeah, he's up to... Um up to the top 50k now Anthony
0: which is um yeah so that's just what could have been essentially instead I, I really just got everything wrong I guess um in terms of my transfers I transferred in Gareth Bale and he didn't actually start so I was a zero pointer for him you know Ooh, and, so you know I neglected picking the likes of Lingard or Trossard I think those guys unfortunately um I because I had 10 men as well for this week this is what's so frustrating is like I, feel like I prepped for it you know I, I had my team ready but just you know to likes so a triple villa for instance you absolutely rubbish dale blanked um you know dallas blanked major got subbed at halftime um Rubbish, so uh, the only guys that actually did well. I got a captain Kane for seven times two is not particularly great, I guess. A Rafinha, eight pointer, and um, I also got him Veltman, he was the star of the game week, really, for <laughs> me, with that with a 10 point return. So, yeah, a little bit of Veltmania there, but yeah, no Trussard, no Lingard, no Patrick Bamford really did the damage there. But, um, oh well, you live and learn, at least it's not too damaging in terms of the rank fall. But, uh, what about yourself, uh, Thomas?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am. Um... I was literally a Bamford away from a similar sort of outcome to you. Um, I took minus four. I think it was a last minute minus four, actually. I think I did that about 20 minutes to spare, I think. remove uh, removed Cancelo for Veltman, remove uh, removed Salah for Ravinia, And um, with about you know, 20 minutes to go, I did uh, Bamford in for Diane, um, which meant I got, yeah, a 29 point, well, 25 point take away minus four. A uh, swing on players I was bringing in, uh, and those three performing uh, plus Antonio with the, the two assists of the seven um, alongside Kane captain got me 54 points. Mine's four was 50, which was not great. Now, you know, I could have, got lingard potentially or you know trossard in uh but the reality was i was i never really looked at either either the guard twins just because i had antonio anyway and i thought trossard but one week punt i've already got Beltman. um so yeah 50 um overall which was okay i think they took me up to about 250k um but yeah really looking forward to this home straight chat because i want to see what we do uh, from now on um i'm hoping to maybe do something a little bit well, hopefully take some tips from it and to help me get to where I want to be this year rather than ending up bobbing around at the 200Ks again. <laughs> right. Let's move on to the market forces briefly, Nick. And it is all about Lingardium Leviosa, isn't it? A Jesse j Lings Lingard, messy Lingard, some are dubbing him, or um, well, dabbing him, I suppose, is probably uh, the best way of putting it, um, rising up the ranks, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a crazy old season, isn't it? With another goal and assist, he's topping the market forces with 107,000 transfers in at time of recording. But is he overperforming? Who knows? He's getting the goals. He's getting the assists. Uh, bring him in. Um, I, I certainly made a mistake uh, not getting him in um, for the game at 29. So lots of people looking at those uh, returns from old Jesse or young Jesse and uh, getting that youngster in. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Guess no surprises there based on the returns that he's been producing recently and he was unlucky as well to get another goal, uh, thanks to a dodgy offside call. Cool. Uh so yeah, Lingard uh leading the line in terms of the market forces. Otherwise, um it's kind of a couple of what I'd call perhaps safe picks for the, for the close season. You've got uh, Bruno Fernandes and Kevin De Bruyne second and third on the market, versus, uh, market forces with about 65,000 transfers in at time of recording. So it feels like a few people might have sold them because of the blank in 29. But getting back on those safe picks in, in Bruno and Kevin, Bruno you know, Bruno's probably going to be the top scorer this season. De Bruyne was the top scorer last season. Safe picks for the, uh, the final hurdles, let's say. Um, and otherwise, a couple more interesting picks, perhaps. Uh, Ian Acho, um, he's, he's doing excellently at the moment, uh, uh, really stepped up his game in the absence of the likes of uh, Harvey Barnes and he picked up hat against Sheffield United, uh, Brace against Manchester United as well in the FA Cup. So um, lots of people targeting him. We'll talk about him a little bit later. And, and Mason Mounts, we'll also talk about him a little bit later as well when we cover Chelsea, 55,000 transfers in for him um another perhaps safe pick for the close season.
1: I just love the fact that sixty thousand people bought in a actually last week as well. I mean didn't have a game. I just it's just one of those classic sort of FPL robot, FPL lemming sort of situations, wasn't it? Probably saw the goal um in the FA Cup and thought, oh why am I getting those points in FPL? Or at least in my head, there's what these people are doing. And in the sales, Nick, it's not particularly surprising, uh, is it? It's pretty much those players who did all blank, although
0: the man in fifth, 11 points, Bamford, and he's still being sold. I don't get that. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, but he does have a yellow flag still, so he's got a knock, apparently, 75% chance of playing. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but um, yeah, I guess that's being that's why he's being sold. People seeing the yellow flag thinking, ah, I'd better sell this guy, which um, seems a bit... Of a dodgy move, and plus, um, yeah, I was going to say these fixtures, they've got um Sheffield United at home, haven't they, in, in game week 30, so yeah, no, it seems a bit, yeah, a bit brash from um, <laughs> a bit brash from a few people there, but yeah, as you said, it's the players that blanked or didn't play at all. Um, so Son and Bale, um, didn't play Son's uh being sold heavily, but he might be back, we don't know at this moment in time for the next game, hopefully, he will be because I own him. And Gareth Bale brought him in, looks like a massive error because he didn't even. Uh, start will get a single minute so he's being sold as well but they do have newcastle up next so that was one of the reasons bell came in for me and i'm I'm hopeful that um he will play in that game you don't know <laughs> but uh, and get some returns because if not he's, he's definitely out the door um and obama yang um also being heavily sold fifty six thousand 000 transfers out for him another sort of Blank game week punts that people went for that's not worked out very expensive punts as well. So no surprises really that he's probably being turfed out for the likes of Fernandez, De Bruyne, safe much safer picks and and Ollie Watkins of course get him out, just get rid straight <laughs> away. Forty seven thousand transfers out for him. Um, another player that's dunked up that uh, blank game week for me.
1: Yeah, Bond or Watkins. The only other thing I just want to observe is that uh, Brighton players are featuring uh, in the uh, top 30 for transfers out. So very much a case of a one week fling with those guys. Uh, Dunk, Trossard and Mopay are all in the top 30 for transfers out uh, thus far, at least. Although it has slowed down, of course, due to the fact that it's an international break. All right. So let's go to the main sort of frost of the chat this week, which is attacking the home straight, as Nick mentioned. We probably won't cover everything, but I guess let's talk about what's going on with you teams. You know, Nick, a few strategies we might be following. Uh, Just to give some context, I've got a beer open because, hey, you know, my, my house finally came through. Nick does too. So we're really just doing a bit of a chilled international break pod, enjoying the fact that This one doesn't have less than 24 hours shelf life, so we're swapping a hectic life for a bit of a park life here. So, yeah, cheers. Just to say as well that at the time of recording, Game Week 32 is up in the air for many teams. There's not much we can do about this, and if you check your FPL, if you listen to this, on the week of 22nd, you'll see that there are a lot of games that have currently been removed, and Ben Cuellin seems to think that there's a high chance of games being rescheduled into the midweek of that week. So it's all going to kind of come back to how it was in some way, shape, or form. Planet FPL spoken about this as well, so go listen to that if you want to hear about the kind of the calendar movements. Um, And if there are any machinations, we'll of course discuss it later down the line. Uh, But in general, I think that you know international break will give managers time to readjust and rethink. Whether it's fancy managers or real managers, the relentlessness of the prem so far has been really tough to navigate, hasn't it, Nick? And uh, I guess working with the fixtures going forwards and looking at a few teams, there are. A few things that come to mind, aren't there? Um, you know, like City, I guess they're the big one, aren't they? What are you going to do with those guys? Because people have got two. I mean, I've got I wrote a Cancelo, So I used to have three. Are we going to keep hold of them? James Corral is asked, you know, is it even, even optimal to have free City? If so, which? City, Nick, what are you
0: doing with those guys? So I did sell John Stones um, last game week for Feltman. I'm actually considering uh, getting rid of uh, Cancello as well. Seems a bit crazy, to be honest, to be. Selling all my city assets, but I know it's a bit of a lame answer. But I think the rotation is is a big concern, plus the uh, blanking game week thirty three. So they've had a really intense uh, period of fixture congestion in in general, and you know they've really not had time at all to sit down for any coffee and TV at all. And you know after the international break, it, it continues for them. They've got Leicester in the league, but then they've got Dortmund midweek, then Leeds at the weekend, Dortmund again midweek, then they've got Chelsea in the FA Cup. So I'm looking at, you know, some of my players, the likes of Cancelo. He is a he's a starting player for City, no doubt about it. He's in Pep's best 11. But is Pep going to actually play the best 11 in the league? Probably not, because, you know, let's be honest, the league's wrapped up. The, the key match for them is the Dortmund match, where... You know, he wants to win the Champions League with this club, with this team, doesn't Mm. he? So is Cancelo going to play or is it going to be, you know, a chance to the likes of Zinchenko or Mendy or someone to get a few minutes? uh, Kyle Walker perhaps as well. And and Cancelo will be saved for the for the um, cup. You know, we never we never really try and predict Pep, but that is my concern. There's been a little bit of rotation there. Um, John Stones, as well, as I said, has sold him. And there's been so much rotation with Stones. But, you know, I actually think, though, like the likes of Stones, there's a few others like Concello and Mares. They've, they've been absolutely amazing FPO assets this season if they play. And I had a quick look at all three of those guys, just their points per game. Um, so Stones has had 6.8 points per game a season, but he's actually only played 18 of the 28 games Cancelo's had 5.3. He's played a few more games than Stones, but he's still missed out on a number. And then Amare's 5.6. He's only actually started 19 of of the 28 games. So there's so much rotation with those guys that it's like, you know, if you want to keep free, fair enough, go for it. But just make sure you've got a strong bench and you've got people that you can rely on that can come off the bench and and deliver, you know, like your Dallas's and people like that, that you you can trust.
1: Yeah, uh, I think because we've got loads of money, at the moment we'll come on to why that might be in a little bit we are in the situation where perhaps that is a thing where you'd be okay to have the triple city and just kind of say you know what I've got a bench to cover me if it doesn't quite work out because they are still you know quite an unstoppable force dear old city the last six games over 100 shots over 20 big chances six xg more than the team in second Leicester Four more XA than the team in second. Leicester again, so you put them in a bit. And 446 points scored over the last six game weeks. 99 more points than Chelsea who are in second. Again, we'll discuss them later. Uh, the fixtures are okay, as Nick's mentioned, but as Nick just touched on, you need to have that player actually playing. Um, and Cancelo, yeah, I mean, his reign from the highest owned defender has dropped off He's gone from being the manager's darling to a charmless man, hasn't he? I mean, he's still in the top 10 for XG and XA amongst defenders. But the uncertainty over him and the likes of Stones as well are causing sales. Like, I've still got Diaz. I've got quite quite a bit of money sort of tied up in him. I think I'll keep hold of him for the time being. But I'm completely behind you, Nick. I think that I'd be happy to kind of start divesting my city assets. So I think I'm going to like hold Diaz and hold one other man, um, Gundawam. And I suppose one of the big questions that we've now got is what do we do with Gundawan? He's a city dweller. He's a successful fella. He's got five value. And the run from game week 13 to 24, when he scored 111 points, won't be forgotten in a hurry. He's still just 6.1 million. But owners, Nick, have to be worried, don't they? Since game week 25, he's only managed one goal. He's only touched in the box against Southampton. And he's only managed 19 points and over the last kind of six. So Gunduan, Nick, what are you planning to do with him?
0: I think for me, Gundogan, he he's a season keeper, you know, there's a little bit of concern, as you said, his numbers have dropped off slightly, but then um, he did score in the cup as well. So, you know, that's always a positive when you, when you see your players, even though you don't get points, it's, it's always a positive to see a return. Um, yeah. Showing yeah. That they're, they're in good form. Um, and just, yeah, in terms of the numbers, I know you said it dropped off recently, but I was looking uh, overall, really, the course of the season, he's, he's had the sixth highest XG across all midfielders with 8.15, um, 8.15. And he scored a ridiculous 12 goals. And actually, his first goal of the season didn't come till uh, Game week 13, um, so before that, he was, he was being like the, the Gundogan we, we knew and didn't particularly love um, of old, which didn't really get forward and get goals and do things like that. But since game week 13, when he went on that ridiculous run, he's actually scored more goals than any other player in the league, even even more than um, Harry Kane. So he scored, four more, he scored 12 goals in that period. Kane's only scored eight. So, you know, in that period, as a £6.1 million pound midfielder, I'm not going to sell this guy, um, said I'm disinvesting in maybe some of the City defenders because of the rotation. But I think this guy can sit there yeah. right until the end of the season. And, you know, they, they're free scoring. They're such a great attacking team. And he he's, um you know, as I said, there's a little bit of rotation there. But in sort of the central midfield type roles, he, he pretty much plays most games anyway. So I don't think he's going to be as heavily rotated as the wingers, as the fullbacks. Mm. Kind of have to kind of, you know, expel a little bit more energy, just rushing up and down those wings all the time
1: sure sure I, I don't know i, I think i'm probably going to keep holding for the time being but come game week 33 when they've got that blank he could definitely become one of those players that a big question mark emerges over Um, especially if he's one of those it's just ubiquitous hold for people lots of people just have him in there they just think because you said nick great value this guy only 6.1 slash 5.5 by for people like me you've had him quite a while maybe even better for a few others. Um. So there could be an opportunity there to get involved with a different player, be it City or non. I like the Mahrez call, for example. I had a look at him over the last six. He's actually scored the most FPL points, 54. Um, but these are amazing hauls considering his XG is 1.31. He's actually scored four goals with that. Zero big chances. And his XA has been 1.23, but he's got four assists with only one big chance created. Um, he could be a really fun differential. I know you had him last year, didn't you, on Project Restart. Um, his ownership is, is pretty low. So he could be an example of another player you could grab in City. But, I mean, the rotation station is the big thing here, isn't it? And you may be thinking, you know what, it might be better to have players who or pivot toward players in different teams who don't have that sort of level of risk about them and don't basically mean you're going to end up playing your 4.5 million defender um, every other week because you just can't trust these players to start. Expected minutes is quite a difficult thing, isn't it, um, in FPL? Um, I suppose on the other side of it, I spoke a little bit about making you know, making money a second ago. Well, he's touched on making money. Some of that's to do with Liverpool. So you know, I sold off um, Mo Salah this week um, but their last eight, you know, really caught my eye looking into this because you know they've got Arsenal, Aston Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, Man United, Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. That last four is is really good looking, isn't it? We'll see what um FPL Stag says, Anthony says on the on the beach special next time. But I mean I mean Liverpool, Nick, I mean, do you have any interest in them? Because they are <laughs> to the eye a team that's completely lost their mojo aren't they um but at the same time those fixtures are very enticing are they a team with no distance left to run or are you thinking there could be a space for one of them
0: it's very contrasting to manchester city isn't it their season i mean this is a low for them isn't it It really is and everything's quite tender for for liverpool this season it's um i think it's just unfathomable really that most of us now are in a scenario where we don't have any of their players, especially with those fixtures. And and considering for the last few campaigns, at least the triple up was all but essential. I mean, looking at the defenders... Trent and and Robbo, they're creating a lot of chances. So um, in the last five game weeks, Trent has created 12 chances, which is to join most of all defenders with Luke Shaw. Um, Over the course of the campaign, both Trent and Robbo are second and third for chances created, 47 and 45. But it's worth highlighting that their actual assist output has dropped markedly from from last campaign. So Trent's been really unlucky only to get three assists. And Robertson's only had the five. And you can perhaps blame the front three to a certain extent not being able to convert them. But I think, you know, those guys are very, very expensive. feels a bit punty. You know, if you're really looking for some bargains in in the Liverpool defence, you know, you could uh, watch the next couple of games and see if Nat Phillips actually can nail down that slot. Yeah, point zero, my God. point zero hero. Um, picking up clean sheets against the likes of West Brom and, and Gang and Newcastle these easy fixtures that they've got to come um, he could be someone that just fits in very nicely if he is uh, nailed on otherwise I think K- Kabak probably um, is is more likely to he's probably the most nailed on of all the central defenders at least for the end of the campaign with um van Dijk and Gomez and Matip all looking like they're out for the season so um yeah a couple options there I guess in the defence
1: small at Quebec uh, with Liverpool I suppose in some ways but it is it is those those attacking players I mean I know we've had Trent and Robbo being a mainstay of many of our teams for of course the last couple of years as you're saying it but owning a Salah especially owning Salah um you know We've spoken about him more than any other player on this pod. Not owning him, it's just a bit bizarre. But the big issue at the moment for them is conversion, as far as I can see. It's just ridiculous numbers, basically. So on FB Ref, um, great resource, go and check it out. Um, they've got the highest XG to, to goals scored under performance in Europe, I think it is. And um, they've got the second highest XG from open play. Um, actual goals scored, though, is 31. So they're by seven. As Nick said, this is surely a low. The last six game weeks, the points totals make abysmal reading as well. So the highest scoring live asset over the last six is Trent with 23 points, uh, which is, yeah, I I just can't believe that. Behind him, Salah and Robertson, 19 points each. And only Salah, Jones and Jota have scored in the last six game weeks from 81 shots. So a conversion rate of just 3%. Wow. Amazing, like losses against the likes of Fulham, Everton, the damaging ones to Chelsea and City, as we've seen, have left them floundering. And I think Nick, our, you know, our faith in their players is destroyed. Um, but I saw you, uh, just out you uh, from what you say on our Slack group, saying that you were looking at Jota and maybe getting salary because you had the money and doubling up. Is that a case of fixtures over form, perhaps? Because that sounds quite interesting. I, I'm interested in Jota. That's great, but both really.
0: Yeah, this I mean, this wasn't for this week, to be honest. This was something I was just thinking a little bit down the line, maybe. I mean, next week they've got Arsenal. That's going to be a tough game. But I think, yeah, it is sort of like the fixtures. I was kind of just looking at that final run, um, you know, from sort of game week 32. Jota as well. He, he's the cheaper option, certainly. And, um, you know, when, when he's uh, he's... He's missed a lot of the campaign, to be fair. But when he has played, he, he's been really exciting to watch, and you know, real breath of fresh air. Perhaps their only good news story of the entire season, really. Um, so he's had six goals for them, and it's, it's over six hundred ninety-eight minutes. That's so a goal every hundred and sixteen minutes. Um, he's sort of had a chance every thirty point five minutes as well. So he's been getting plenty of opportunities and and really proved himself um, earlier on in the campaign, started to. Um, be, um, you know, a key starter for them as well. So I kind of thought maybe he would be the best option just because he's only 6.6, so you're not spending a lot of money if you want to get a jotter. Salah, of course, very, very expensive, 12.4 million. But as I said as well, kind of like if you've got the money, then why not? And, you know, I'm looking ditching probably the likes of Bay or the likes of Son, maybe after yeah. 2030. 30. So I thought, well, maybe I could move them on to the um, get on the Liverpool assets and hope um, I can take advantage of the, the fixture shift.
1: Yeah, no, I think the um, Jota, from watching them against Wolves, I mean, admittedly, there was the kind of the old club sort of thing going on. But he looked like the one most likely to do something, didn't he? I mean, actually, I, I was considering moving Gundogan to Jota. Um, but at the end of the day, we've all got so much money, haven't we, at the moment, because we've sold the likes of Salah, because the likes of KDB aren't in our teams anymore. Well, obviously, there's a select for you who've done very well out of owning KDB, getting back on him. Um, but I think a lot of people are kind of awash with cash at the moment. I guess those are the teams Liverpool and Man City are obviously going to be figuring highly in our thoughts, Uh, but there are a couple of teams I think that we should be kind of pivoting towards um, for this final eight. They are Chelsea and Leicester. Um, And I think the next five for Chelsea are especially eye-catching. So West Brom, Crystal Palace, Brighton, West Ham and Fulham, pending factor, of course, a good four out of five games there um, in attack. I mean, you've heard of the Pep roulette, but I think the tickle tombola is another one I'm just not sure I want to be involved with. You know, Kai Havertz, whatever, Mason Mount, who I'm sure Nick's going to uh, speak about, decent cover and all that. But there's no other way. There's no other way. All you can do is watch them play. All you realise is that the defence is where it's at for Chelsea, I think. So over the last 10 game weeks with tickle and Charles, just two goals conceded, eight clean sheets, six big chances conceded, the lowest of any team the fewer shots conceded as well. And next, you see you have just 5.56, two fewer than the nearest competitors, who are um, Brighton, according to this. Interesting. Uh, for context, the rest you see is almost half that of Man City's, that imperious defense just a few weeks ago. It's ridiculous stuff. And uh, Chelsea's defense reminds me a little bit when we look through the FPL options of Man City's this season, because you've got these kind of free amigos at the back. You've got Rudiger who's a John Stone sort of character, as Piricueta, or Dave as the Diaz character, and Alonso as the obvious Cancello. However, this time we've got that awkward sort of Hindu monkey-style fourth amigo, as Mendy is more of an option than Edison was. And obviously you've got Rames and Injuredson hanging around. But, you know, just before um, I hand over to you, Nick, I just want to mention that the ownership is so low for these guys. It's unreal. They're all under 10% owned. Mendy, 7.9%. Azpilicueta, 6.3%. Rudiger, really 4.5%. And Alonso, 25 A combination is huge, if you can pull it off. And I'm really looking at Azpilicueta to come in, I think, boring old Aspi. I do like Golonzo. He's doing all right in sort of the analogue stats. But yeah, as Azpilicueta and Rudiger pairing them together and hopefully kind of making hay with those fixtures at the low ownership. I'm, I, I really like that idea for West, for West Brom onwards, I think. So yeah, um, I, I'm really interested in Chelsea's defence. I think I'll be doubling up this week. Um, what do you think about the defence, Nick, for Chelsea? And what do you also think about Mason Mount? I'm sure you've got a lot to say on him.
0: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the defence. I think certainly uh, since they chucked out the guy who lives in the house, a very big house in the country, things have uh, really, really changed for the better at Chelsea. And, and Tuchel's done a great job, as you said. Those defensive stats particularly are very impressive. Just got two goals conceded. I'm sure he'll be disappointed to only have scored 11 goals though over there. To 10 games, so I don't think he's quite got the attack sorted quite yet. Um, but I will start the defense. I know we both got Rudiger, um, but certainly he's the one who's sort of the trusted man, at least you know, in this sort of tombola of rotation. Um, he's played pretty much every game since Tuchel took charge. I think he's only missed one, so um, yeah, uh, definitely a solid pick if you're looking for a player that's sort of relatively cheap as well I think he's dropped down to about 4.6 million um, who can slot in and, and get you a clean sheet but um yeah it is is go Alonso uh Marcus Alonso that's the one that's catching my eye and um, you know getting to that stage of the season where you, you're looking at some of these players fancy really interesting punt and it's certainly that Chilwell seems to be out of favour at the moment Alonso seems to be the the one, um, the one who's picked as well when then they need to go on attack a little bit more and, you know, just a bit of nostalgia here. Uh, but the past four years, he's averaged 9.5 attacking returns a season and it's just been the one goal so far. But the West Brom home game, yes. very appetising. Yeah. So tempting. Stats, Yeah, I was going to say his stats as well have been pretty good, actually, to be fair, for when he's played 15 goal attempts, 10 inside the box, but that, which is a chance every 46.9 minutes, which is the best of all the defenders in the leagues for goal attempts per minute. So that's particularly interesting. And, um, you know, he's been creating a few chances as well, with chance every 59 minutes, about the same as Robertson and, and better than Aaron Cresswell, who's picked up a ridiculous amount of assists this season. So, um, yeah, uh, big fan of Alonso.
1: Yeah, he is the ultimate nostalgia pick, isn't he? I think it's just because Chilwell played very well in the cup and he will be up for kind of competing, of course, but Chilwell is away in the international break. Alonso didn't get called up by Spain. I just, I just think you know, for the West Brom game, it could be very alluring, but over the long term, Quetta probably does fit the boring is good mantra. Again, having the DS Stones over having the you know the Stones and Cancelo sort of thing, I guess, as an analog. But I guess with him, you know, I may not hear the heavy metal of an but I feel like with the other options, I'd be like all of the time. I'm never sure why I need you, but Aspidecuesta Dave is there when I need him, so probably he is the better option. Well, it's tough, but I genuinely think that having two Chelsea defenders is going to be a really good idea um, for the end of the season. Uh, of course, they've got other competitions that are going to, going to be affecting them. Um, so maybe it is a case of kind of hoping you have one of two every now and again, but every now and again you will get the double. And those fixtures over the next five at least are good enough um, that you. Maybe we'll want to play tickle tombola and see how you get along. Um, and uh, but but I guess if you were playing a tickle tombola, Nick, um I, I guess you're a big fan of uh, of Mason Mount, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, as you alluded to, the rest of the players are just being heavily rotated. I mean, we yeah, had his time the stars very briefly at the start of the season. Pulisic just never really merged, last season hero. Um, and Havertz sort of starting to appear, I guess, picked up a couple assists, but not quite the player we've seen in the Bundesliga. But yeah, Mason Mount, he he's definitely feels like the safest bet of all the... Attacking midfielders played the most minutes, uh, also had the most goal attempts and most goals apart from Jorginho, who's the sort of penalty merchant. But um I, I'm actually particularly impressed as well with his creative stats. So 69 chances, which is fourth best in the league. One less than De Bruyne, so he's been quite unlucky really to only have five assists which his troubles. You can blame uh Werner's finishing finishings to a certain extent Yeah, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think he's he's a pretty decent pick. There's probably another boring pick for me, I guess, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, he's not the most exciting player in the world, <laughs> no. is Tom? It could be one to just throw in, I suppose. pick, but why not, you know, punt for the end of the season again? Yeah,
1: exactly. I just feel like next, Werner's going to be next season's man. I think everyone's going to be like, we've got a file on you you're going to be you know, a player that we're going to write off and I think that after kind of Tickle gets a pre-season with this guy and gets the team kind of how he wants them playing I wouldn't be surprised if Werner does become a bit of a force next year sometimes you do see this but there's a bit of a lag with players you have the Yangs who come in smash it other ones do take a little while to kind of find their feet and it may be that's the case with Werner Um it's unfortunate because often we kind of say well the German league and the Premier League they kind of, you know, translate very well. It just doesn't seem to happen, does it? Right, um, let's move on to another team in blue that we may be looking at, who are Leicester. So over the last six, they're second for XG, second for XA, some distance high Man City. Very impressive to do, and they've been missing their key creative force in James Madison. Um, The fixtures are decent, so after City in 31, which is great, actually, that game. It's really, really good because you've got time to watch and see what happens with them, unless you jump in and think it can actually versus Old Club or maybe play the high line and Vardy will destroy them. Um, But they've got West Ham away in 32. Then two really lovely home fixtures in West Brom and Palace. Palace coming in the 33 blank, followed by Southampton and Newcastle. Definite interest there. As they mentioned, Ikinacho is doing really well in the market forces. And he's just on a nikic Jelovic level of running hot at the moment. Seven goals in his last eight strikes. Overall, in the last six, he's top for big chances. Vardy's actually second in, with six. Um, he's actually top for not, non-pen XG. Vardy's actually second for that as well. And he scored the most goals in the Premier League. But of course, we have to include that hat-trick in the last six game weeks at the last eight games. And Vardy, interesting enough, has created four of Vicky Nacho's uh, last goals. So they're doing a proper kind of Aubameyang, Lacazette sort of thing. But modern life is a bit rubbish for Jamie Vardy. He's not managed to score in the last five games. But either way, they're great differentials. 90% ownership for Vardy, 3% for Nacho Nick. Are there gains to be had from looking at Leicester there?
0: Or maybe you and the team? Nacho, he's definitely one that I'm considering bringing in, uh, perhaps for Ollie Watkins, maybe come Game Week 31, as you said, see what happens in that Manchester City game, see what news emerges about Game Week 32. Hopefully those fixtures do happen. Um, otherwise, we're all screwed. Uh, but yeah, he's he's perhaps the one I'm looking at, as you said, Only cost 5.7 million, just on fire, just hitting that form right now. Um, some great underlying stats in those last five game weeks. You alluded to sort of minutes per chances every 22.4 minutes. And Kane's had a better minutes per chance um, in those last five game weeks. And he's, he's had the most big chances as well with seven. Um, and picked up a couple of assists actually as well for his travels. So a uh, great time, as you said. You know, a couple of easy fixtures. I'm going to play Sheffield United week in, week out. Um, he's also, he wasn't in the starting 11, but, you know, um, the likes of Harvey Barnes coming back probably by 31, but I, I can't see him being dropped in the current form. You know, Rogers has got to play him shortly. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively confident he's going to continue to be played. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm mm. really considering him.
1: Yeah. It's not a football manager. I see people say that all the time. Oh, he's going to be dropped as soon as Madison and Barnes are back. No, like a player is never dropped if they're in, they're performing well. I'm not going to say form because I'm upsets with you people, but like, if a player is on, on a hot streak, as long as if the manager can go, yeah, you know what, bro? Well, Barnes is back now, so you're out. It's just not going to happen. Is it? Um, but yeah, I'm really looking at Nacho as well just because Bamford, is Sheffield, United um, and then he comes up against Manchester City, Liverpool and United in quick succession. I know it's Leeds they could create chances against anyone um, but those are three decent defences. I know Liverpool I know, I know. Uh, so maybe he could be a really easy swap uh, to Nacho. But there's always Vardy isn't there Nick? And I've said in this pod a couple of times I'm done with Vardy If I'm crawling back to Vardy I'll explain why I'm doing it uh, I won't try to weather Vane myself, um, but I, I'm going uh, to, the door's always going to have to be open to old Jamie, isn't it, Nick?
0: Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be writing off his career anytime soon, because despite his age, he's continued to confound the critics every season that he's um, played for Leicester. And um, I mean, this season's, Uh, being similar again for him and he's actually notched up so many assists just quite quietly as well actually 12 assists um, this season along with the 12 goals that he scored so yeah definitely not um, a time to write him off I think my only concern with is probably cost 10.1 million I think there's other options out there that are a lot cheaper and better punts and and his teammate Nacho certainly
1: one of those right now yeah, definitely, and obviously keep out a knife, Madison and uh, Barnes when they're back. So yeah, you know a couple of uh, teams who perhaps would be pivoting to from man City players or from other players like the Spurs players, as Nick's mentioned, and um, another one as well which caught my eye. Um, are Wolves and maybe they fit into this Liverpool sort of a case of fixtures over form and um, none of their players is over 7% owns. the most is Neto at 6.8% but the next five are really really good especially if you look at the defensive ratings on tickets and I, I know they haven't been great and obviously I used how bad they've been defensively as a reason for why I captained Salah a couple of weeks ago but they've got West Ham Fulham Sheffield United Burnley West Brom and Brighton before a tough final three you could do worse than punt on somebody like Sice. You could do worse than look at someone like Johnny, who's got 0% ownership, 0%. He saw 123 points last season. Last year, Wolves kept 13 clean sheets. It's just been eight this year in a weird sort of transitional season for them. But Nick, I mean, looking at those fixtures that are remaining for them, I mean, I think it's, we are probably looking at the defence unless you fancy a wild Neto punt. But look at those fixtures and thinking about kind of the the legacy of having quite a strong defence, maybe you fancy another couple of clean sheets, at least out of that? I mean, after that West Ham game, do you think uh, which is a top six game now, do you think the rest of those fixtures look ripe for a few points? Because I think they do. If I was wild carding, I'd certainly be probably trying to sneak a Sice in or sneak a Johnny in, or even old man Connor Cody, who uh, seems to be getting forward these days.
0: Yeah, he certainly is. I think, yeah, after that West Ham game, looking at that next five... Um, is probably five of the six uh, worst attacking teams in the Premier League, with Newcastle being the other one to mention out of that six. So, I, you know, there's a chance, good chance of maybe three, even four clean sheets in that period if they get their act together. And, um, yeah, certainly I, I considered like Connor Cody, and he's like one of those players that, you know, like Lingard, we thought we'd never be suggesting on this podcast. But um, he, he, what's good about Cody is he is nailed on. Um, in the defence. He plays every single game. Sice, I think Sice got dropped for a little period. Of course, out of favour for whatever reason. Uh, but Cody isn't. Cody's you know, the club captain. He's, he's their key man. And yeah, he, he's um, getting forward. So like last season, he famously didn't register a single goal attempt. But this season, he's had six and he's even scored for for them against City, much to our chagrin. Because obviously, a lot of us had double, uh, double uh, defence in that particular game where he had stones and cancello very frustrating. But um, I certainly think he Could be a solid pick for that fixture run. Someone who can sit there, you know, he's going to play, and he's probably going to get some clean sheets for you as well. So it's all about the clean sheets. Um, Yeah, with the attack, as you said, they've looked very blunt, um, especially since Jimenez got injured. um, Since uh, he got injured in game week ten, or had that awful head injury, Um, they've only scored seventeen goals, which is the the fifth uh, worst in the league for attacking returns. And you know, like William Jose. Done nothing, Fabio Silva, nothing. Uh, Pedro Neto, as you said, is probably the only one that I would recommend or, or suggest. Um and he's actually underlying stats very, very similar to Mason Mount, very, very similar across all the metrics. So if you if you're not looking at Mount or haven't gotten money for Mount, you could punt on um, Neto at five point seven million. I think he'd be a really good pick there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, a few kind of uh teams there in terms of you know what what has been and what could be going forward as so Liverpool are kind of in that weird sort of hinterland between being a has-been team, the team you may want to move into. and um, But a couple of other things that kind of come to mind here, just a bit of housekeeping. There's the whole operation target. I don't mean Matt target, but target a team. Um, so target Sheffield United and also target Newcastle have come to mind. And this sort of narrative to target a team comes back every year because it's such a good song. It's such a sweet song. Think, you know, target Norwich last year, that salient memory of uh, you know, Antonio's four goals. Um, but Sheffield United looked at their data, one word, abysmal. Their XGC over the last six is 15.71. So they're expected to concede almost three goals per game. That's an astonishing 25 big chance to concede in that time. That's just in six games, by the way. So, they're conceding just over four big chances per game. 45 shots on target in six as well, 7.5 per game. And Wilder's gone, so they're you know, dropping. It's hard for hecking Bottom to negotiate, to motivate them now. Um, and you could look to captain against them in half of the remaining games. So Leeds game with 30, Bamford or Afinia. they conceded a hell of a lot of chances in the middle. That kind of sense of back uh, triple up is not. Working anymore, so Bamford is definitely my thoughts for that game week thirty one. Arsenal, sort of Bamyang, Lacazette, whatever game week thirty two, probably not because of double game week elsewhere. Bryson thirty three, if you fancy a or and mope but definitely thirty four Kane and thirty six as well. Everton, so you know, like Calvert Lewin or Richarlison could be in our teams from the from for an Everton uh, double game week. But I mean, they could be one team you could look at. Another one, Nick is Newcastle, of course. The Meek Surrender versus Brighton. Yeah, I mean, they're going to keep it tight, but they're still second boston for expected clean sheets over the last six. Another potential target, Liverpool away in 33, Arsenal home in 34, Leicester away in 35, Man City home in 36. So loads of options to target teams like these. Um Is it Nick the ultimate sort of end of season business end thing to just mercilessly go after these teams because you know I'm definitely going to be capturing these player against Sheffield United so I'll say that now I'm I'm definitely doing it just because well I should Um, are you as interested in targeting these teams or is it very much kind of a week to week thing for you still.
0: I, I, I certainly think they're worth targeting. I mean, that's part of the reason that I, you know, trying to justify my bail transfer in. I was trying to look at the the longer picture really, um, and and I saw obviously Brighton having sort of Manu at thirty, Spurs having Newcastle. I thought, well, perfect, better to show his flat track bully skills. Though so obviously he's a bit out of favour now, so looking like a bit of a dodgy punt. But um, that's part of the reason I was, you know. Bringing him in for that Newcastle game. So, yeah, they, they look like a team completely in disarray. I'd probably, fav- uh, probably stage. So, um, certainly think it's worth targeting them. As you said, Sheffield United have been appalling going forward. So, you know, good chances for clean sheets. So, as we said, like for Connor Cody or whoever, Johnny maybe even um, could be a good punt there. Just 16 goals in 29 games is just a rubbish return. The other yeah. thing I thought worth highlighting as well, targeting is West Brom. Um, and I'm planning on targeting them this week uh, with Alonso, perhaps as my transfer in. Um, so Allardyce just hasn't been able to make the impact he has in previous seasons with other relegation-threatened clubs and his 57 goals conceded as the worst in the league um, and 170 shots on target as well, the worst in the league over the course of the campaign. So target West Brom as well, Chelsea assets. Um, you probably weren't getting Southampton players in, but Leicester in in 32, so like some Nacho or Vardy um, or Madison Bards, whoever, um, could be good punts or good picks for that week as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for the strategy of targeting these sort of teams. I know we'd always kind of be looking at doing that in terms of captaincy or whatever, um, but there's definitely been this sort of creep towards kind of being worried about EO that we've seen throughout the course of the kind of the middle part of the season. Obviously, there's been a lot of chatter, Nick, about why people captain Kane this week and he was obviously hugely owned uh, versus, you know, taking a chance like of Trossard or the likes of Lingard. In the cold light of hindsight, where that free hit week just went basically to plan. So if you were to make a free hit, basically all the players you'd have brought in, so maybe double Brighton defence, plus, you know, a Bryson uh, midfielder, plus the likes of Lingard, um, you name it, bringing in kind of a team to, that's well suited to that, uh, to the circumstances we had. People are now kind of saying, oh, you know, maybe I should have gone against the EA. Maybe I should have just kind of taken a risk. And I'm definitely going to be kind of bearing that in mind going forward. Um, but I think it's just a rare example this season, perhaps, of when the more solid picks haven't quite come through and it's been all about those sort of uh, uh, quite straightforward, but nonetheless sort of um, less owned players likes of Trossard uh, making a big difference with people. So you know, maybe it is a case of just saying, you know what, let's just target these players own the likes of Trossard for one week, two weeks. I mean, I've never really liked doing that in the past, owning players just for um, you know one fixture or two fixtures, but, Part of the reason why I did buy Bamford, for example, on the minus four last minute was because I thought, well, I'm really going to have two players in in situ with Sheffield United at home, plus whoever it was, um, Diane, was rubbish, one, and two, wasn't playing. So I thought I'd just kind of grab that. So I'm going to to try, I think, to target these teams going forward. So maybe Bamford could go for Lacazette or something like that, just to kind of continue targeting Sheffield United in the game with 31. Nick, have you ever been a fan of, you know, targeting teams?
0: There's no harm in, in that kind of strategy. It's, it's an alternative route. It's, it's quite interesting as well to go sort of down that route of sort of targeting specific clubs and, and tripling up. And, you know, it, it kind of links in a little bit with sort of the whole concept of sort of compound, uh, compound differentials. So like just, for instance, we saw at the start of the season some people going for triple Chelsea in, in defence and and that bared some um, excellent fruit and, and you know it is a bit more aggressive perhaps a little more risky than um, most managers would go for but you know at this stage of the season you've got kind of I guess I've always been a bit of a boring manager and I've ended up with very boring overall ranks every season so I think certainly think there's no harm in trying to shoot for the moon and go for something a bit different a bit alternative just to to, to boost up those rankings and get it something that's like yeah. You know, re- really good as opposed to just respectable um, at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, we'll, we'll have to talk about this a bit later on, but it's definitely something I'll be doing in order to do that. It's sort of time, I guess, where you could be maximising advantage. Let's have right at the top, but at the moment we're having a little bit of a breather. It might be a time for managers to reorganise and kind of reincentivize the teams. And yeah, you know, if it goes wrong, you could think, you know, now what you've done, beetle bum, you let all those other opportunities slip away. But really, it is time to kind of just think, well, if I don't take this chance now, I could end up with an okay rank, I might as well give it a go, try something slightly different, try to kind of go against the established template. I'm very, very, very envious of people with the wildcards still in their back pocket. That's for sure. We'll come on to that in the questions in a little bit. Um, but I think it, it's definitely going to be a really interesting time over the home straight. And um, we'll talk a bit more about this with Anthony in a more sort of formal way. And um, as you can probably tell, we're just having kind of a bit of a meandering chat this time round. Um, but we're we'll definitely going kind to of look into on the beach going forward, and definitely looking into kind of ways in which teams do sort of tail off towards the end of this year and how to kind of identify the motivated teams um, later on this week. Hopefully that was useful. Just having like a general open chat about um, the sort of teams which are um, coming up on the radar and uh, which could help you in the home straight. Right, let's take a break there and move on to the usual stuff, the questions and the
0: league update just after this. Who
1: got the assist? Who got the assist?
0: So we're back and it's time to see what's been happening in the league. Um, Just going to do a quick roundup of the top five. So in fifth, Dropping down, it's Elliot Worthington with Obi-Wan Bissaka. Only got the 47 points this week. I say only, I'd say more than me, but it's enough to get him a red arrow. It's Evgeny Becker with Russian Mafia climbing up into fourth uh, with 54 points. Climbing up into third as well as Victor Sandberg with 59 points. Um, pretty decent score. In second, it's Ryan Hobbs with... 48 points, Hobbsy's heroes. But in in first, it's actually a new number one in the league, and it's Sean McColl with Lucas Lever's Quavers. Um, And he got 87 points on his three hits. That's so
1: ridiculous. Go on, Sean.
0: (laughs) Triple Brighton defence, really doing the business there with Veltman and Gang. Lingard, of course. Lucas Mora, interesting punt there. Nine points from him. Uh, Rafinha, Bamford. Kane, Antonio, just, uh, yeah, great score there. And he's up to, and and second in France as well. So very, very
1: impressive. Yeah, he can be found on Twitter at MCColio09. Um, So he's, he's having an absolutely fantastic season. I think he's up in the top 100 now, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's the 66th. So, yeah, ridiculous stuff. Uh, well done, Sean. <laughs> um, next up, uh, the correspondence, which will return uh, next uh, in April uh, with Anthony when he returns too. Um, in the meantime, if you want to get your questions, queries, etc. in, who got the at We have a few, obviously, to get through, um, but we'll try to get through them all um, throughout the course of this season. So definitely do get questions into that email account. All right, let's move on to the questions then. First one this week is a question of trust. So FPL Claret asked if there was any teams that look good on paper that we don't quite trust with our gut. It's quite an interesting one, actually, when you think about it. And I did have a look through kind of in the course of uh, taking some notes for this pod. I was running around, speaking to conveyances, speaking to estate agents and had a great time doing that over the last few days. So I haven't really had a chance to do too many notes. But one team who did have a good set of kind of end fixtures that I just wasn't interested in uh, was Everton. So they've got decent ends of the season with Crystal Palace, Brighton, Spurs, Arsenal, Villa, West Ham, Sheffield, United, and Wolves both at home and Manchester to end with and double game week in hand. But I don't know, like out of an interesting kind of luxury punt on Luca Dean, I'm just not too into them. I feel like the season's in drift for them a little bit and there's only a, a Europa League spot for them to play for now, having been the hump for the Champions League. And I had a look at you know their data um, over the last kind of Half of the season. So I looked at their heyday, game one to 14, game 15 till now. And in terms of kind of the comparison, it's just, it's really interesting how much they've kind of uh, dropped off. So in the first kind of half of the season, the first half of the season up till now, and they were averaging one point eight goals per game, one point one assists per game. That's now down to one point one goals per game, zero point eight assists per game. Their xG is down per game from one point five to zero point nine, and they're just not taking that many kind of shots anymore. So there were eleven point three shots per game between game at one and fourteen, game at fifteen twenty nine, just eight. In terms of t- attempts on target as well, it's almost halved. So there were five uh, attempts on target per game, game week one to 14, and uh, just 2.9 uh, between game weeks. Uh, 15 and 29 there's a few big factors here you know James, um, injuries and perhaps an element of losing the element of surprise when it comes to his quality not really working out anymore alongside Ducore and Allen being repeatedly injured which meant you know the deputies not weren't really up to scratch and it's not really quite come together for Carlo's men has it so they would be the team that I know they've got, know they've got a double game week and I'm sure people will be piling back in like Calvert-Lewin, we have kind of said, you know, they've got Sheffield United. That could be a game that would be targeting, but outside of Luca Dean, I'm just not too interested in them, in them, Nick. I mean, are there any other teams that you would not trust? Is it Everton for you too? What's your view here?
0: Yeah, yeah I think, you know, when when we were picking the teams, I guess to cover in the main section, Everton didn't even gain a mention at all you know they got completely neglected I mean we were trying to focus on teams that didn't get covered last week because we talked about the the teams with the blank in 29 so Everton should have been a a prime um, prime candidate really but yeah as you said they've just not really caught our eye at all and they do have that double game week coming up but certainly I think their season you know seems to be ending with a whimper but I say that reluctantly because if I think if you remember last campaign they had some blank game weeks so we all ignored the likes of Luca Dean at this particular moment in the season and that's when he went on that ridiculous run of attacking returns didn't he um and when we all owned him over the double game week periods he, he did absolutely nothing so I guess that is, is a little bit of a risk um, when we make these um Judgment calls, that it, but certainly I, I do have some reservations there. I mean, you know, I've got reservations pretty much over every single team right now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not really one team, but like, even like Liverpool, it's like they've got the fixtures, but not the form. Wolves, they've got the fixtures, but not the form. City have the form, but not the fix, stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't really trust anyone. At all, which sounds a bit negative, but I guess there's not really one other team to really call out. I guess most of the other teams we haven't mentioned, like Southampton, got a few good fixtures 30 to 32, but and you know, obviously, like Crystal Palace, just an absolute no go zone completely. So, uh, yeah, hmm. I think that's
1: it. I mean, how do you navigate this sort of situation? Then we don't trust anyone. Do you kind of stick to the big players? I mean, you mentioned earlier on thinking about maybe buying Salah back in. We noticed in the market force, people kind of f- a flight back to safety, people getting Kevin De Bruyne um, and Bruno back in. I mean, how would you advise navigating this period then if you're kind of thinking, oh, I don't trust anyone?
0: You can play it safe. I think certainly targeting the likes of Bruno, the likes De Bruyne, if you don't own it, and, and Salah as well, it is, it's kind of a bit of a safe approach. These are tried and trusted assets that have delivered in the past. If if no one's particularly delivering right now, then you, you you're better off putting your money in. That you you know have had the the form and the credibility at least in the past, so you know that's that's one approach. As I said before, perhaps not the most exciting approach. Perhaps the more exciting approach is to go for the punter, the more interesting punts, the likes of Giotto um, or uh, the likes of Neto at Wolves. Maybe that is that is the alternative approach, I guess.
1: Cool. All right. Now maybe it will um, you know, emerge over the course of the last sort of eight game weeks, that's for sure. Um, and over the course of the next um, eight, the there's obviously a situation where you've got those people who've got chips in hand. So you people already kind of drafting wild cards, thinking about when they're going to play their triple caps in, etc. etc. and so on and so on. But Benny Blanco, we've got to call him Benny Blanco, Nick. We can't call him Benny. He is Benny Blanco. We've got to use both names, otherwise he gets really upset. But Benny Blanco nonetheless has written in and he's asked well, this is what Benny Blanco said. He said, um are there any tactics for those with no chips left to counteract these pesky wild carders? So Benny Blanco says, I've got a strong on paper side for Game Week 30. He's looking at jumping on Chelsea players early ahead of Game Week 31. Is that a viable strategy, um, you know, to try to get ahead of the curve? <laughs> That's such a good one, really, for just kind of thinking about strategies towards the end of the season and building on what we've already said. Benny Blanco could not have put it better himself if I had paid him. Um, but I guess, you know, definitely jumping on Chelsea we think we've both kind of uh, been quite behind that and I think uh, just in general over the course of the last few years what I've done towards the end is I've tried to kind of revert back to safety play a very safe game try to maneuver myself into better places and take fewer risks at the end of the season you know try to kind of you know safely reverse park myself into where I need to be um but on the other side of it is um the man, late riser, um, this whole idea of upside chasing. And I know there's a few reservations about what we've seen because it's been a bit of a strange uh, blank game because I spoke about earlier on where basically everything that could have gone right went right for people who are making a free hit. But to be honest, from looking at that sort of idea, if you're not, if you're not trying to consolidate All the people, so many people should all go hand in hand and do this if you're trying to smash it. You know, trying to go for that sort of, um, you know, bet against the house sort of idea. And I'm certainly going to be trying to do this. As I mentioned earlier, I'll be probably capturing a Leeds asset against Sheffield United. The reason being, I've been bobbing around the 200 and 300k mark for the last four to five weeks. We spoke about this with Seb last week as well. And I really need to score a couple of sub 100k game week ranks to get where I want to be, which is top 100k. I know, I know, I run a podcast, blah blah blah, but that's kind of where I am at this point in the season. That's probably not going to happen by captioning the same players everybody else is captioning. Think Bruno this week and Brighton. I don't want to be shutting the back door. I want to be breaking down the front door. Is a way of looking at that and. I think that things like targeting Sheffield United, things like, you know, jumping on the players that wild cards would be jumping on a little bit earlier, trying to be nimble and reacting to players and teams are popping up on the radar. We've really kind of given a few example teams that could do that and is a good idea. I'm really looking at the last eight game weeks as like a mini tournament and but kind of like Project Reset was, I suppose. And I'm going to be trying to maximise my outcomes through gambling against the house as much as I can. So my mistake last year was I did really, really well in that bench boost game week where I got 120 or so. And then I took my foot off the gas and just started playing conservatively again. When what I could have done is I could have bought Mikel Antonio against Norwich. I decided, no, no, I'm going to roll my transfer now and then deal with it next week. I should have kind of kept momentum going. Nonetheless, I strongly advise everybody not to do this because I'm not done well doing this And um, this year when I've tried to go against the house. So for example, you know, removing uh, Spurs players in my game with nine wildcard. It's just me having my own think tank. But maybe that's just my poor picks this year over anything else kind of impacting how I'm thinking about it. But I've said a few times this is the season to you shouldn't bet against the house. Um, But as it is now, I don't think that capsing and owning the players that everybody else owns is going to do me very much because I'm going to keep getting gray arrows or, and ultimately keep bobbing around where I am. I need to kind of go for, you know, this week, Bamford or Rafinha against Sheffield United. Next week, maybe think about bringing in the likes of Lacazette or the likes of Aubameyang, putting on the UEL and going for something like that too. Nick, what do you reckon here? I mean, I, I think the kind of the ethos of Benny Blanco's question is what do you do to counter at wildcard? It's like, we you don't have your wildcard either. How are you planning to kind of navigate the last eight?
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting question there from Benny Blanco. Um, So, yeah, to to answer Benny Blanco's question, I'm in a very similar scenario with the wild cards. Uh, Being absent, I don't have my... Well, I've still got my triple captain, but uh, otherwise my team's all right, actually, for this week, game week 30, but there is a serious flip in fixtures. My team come game week 31, so tripled up on Aston Villa. They've got Liverpool and Manchester City after that. I've got my Leeds players. They've got Manchester City, Liverpool, and Manchester United, um, for their next three, so they're going to be in the mud. Um, you've got Spurs playing Manchester United as well in that particular game week. So my team just looks dreadful for that week. So I'm actually looking at that and saying, come game week 30, I, I might actually be tempted to just do a minus eight, um, just straight out of the hat. Get rid of the crap. Just get rid of all the crap, serious, all the crap in my team. Me. Get <laughs> rid of... Um, you know the likes of Bale, the likes of Son, the likes of Watkins, and just just load up on those players that I want for the final run. So as I said, what I was thinking about was maybe Nacho, Ian, Nacho coming in, maybe Salah, maybe Jota, something like that. Loading up on those guys, just sorting the team out, getting it ready. Mini wild card. I don't have a wild card, but I can take a few hits just to prepare myself for that, that final run. So that's that's what I'm kind of viewing perhaps as mm. a strategy at least to counteract the wildcard
1: yeah yeah okay so he's kind of just going for broke effectively yeah interesting interesting okay I, I guess you've, you've said a few times that obviously i'm you're i'd love to be where you are in the top 100k but you keep saying that you've always you always seem to end around that so is it the case you're kind of thinking well it doesn't matter if you end 150k or kind of 50k you want to kind of just aim for the kind of a, the ceiling there
0: well, yeah, I think you've got to really, is haven't I? Because I think the last few campaigns, I've, I've finished top 100k for the last few campaigns, um, but just haven't really stepped up. It's finished about 85k or around that point, which is just crap. Well, I mean, it's not crap. It's it's, it's all right, but it's not. It looks rubbish compared to other people's records on Twitter. So, you know, i do something <laughs> about that, I guess. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> might as well. Uh, not, it might be a bit late now anyway, but yeah, we'll go for it, I think. Cool. Fair enough.
1: Right, next question. We've got to put ourselves back into people's shoes who are in an advantageous position here, Nick. Um, so, Steve FPR Ferry, good mate of mine, met him uh, in Brisbane uh, not very long ago. Oh. Not for long ago, a year, more than a year ago now. Bloody hell! Uh, met Steve um, over there. Had a couple of beers with him. A really nice, uh, really nice fella. Um, he asked which game week looks the best for bench boost um, of those left. So he's still got that in his back pocket. Wow! And FPL Gear Snoop asked if game week thirty three, uh, when the Spurs and City blank takes place, is the time to wild card? So you know we've spoken about going Cityless already. But could that be a good time to to go in there? And I guess to kind of start on that question, um, yeah, I mean, game with thirty three looks great for you know going for it because people are likely to still kind of be holding on to at least two city assets. I think you know Gundogan, Diaz, or something like that. We've said at Spurs, people are probably going to be thinking, well, you know, Kane and Son are going to be part of the zeitgeist for the rest of the season they're like Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser when they're at Bournemouth sort of thing every now and again they're going to explode and every now and again kind of the, the template if they aren't in it anymore is going to fail most will be heavily invested in there still so jumping off and trying to attack the end of the season perhaps in different guys could be a really good idea and to be honest with Steve on the bench boost question last year on project restart I just looked for a decent fixture for the 15 players I had, and went for it, I got 120 20 points that week when the game game average was 60 odds. So I went from like 600k to 102k or something like that. So that's the extent of my failure. That I ended up back at 200k, but basically I just went for it. And all the fixtures of lines, and even though I was on lonesome street with it, I got very lucky with the likes of Charlie Taylor, um, you know, returning 12 points off the bench. If you look at the example of this week with the free hit, when everything you could have planned did go well um once the fixtures do align with your team i think that could be worth doing uh nick for people in the situation this very very enviable situation with chips i mean what's your thinking about what's the best thing to do
0: you know i'm probably gonna be a bit boring by saying it very much depends on your team to a certain extent um trying to align the wild card with the fixture shift i mentioned that fixture shift for me, if if I had my wild card, that would be a fantastic time to use it. Great time to to take advantage of those changes and target some of those teams we mentioned at the beginning of the pod for those for the final season running. So that's perhaps a good shout. I think worth bearing in mind, of course, about the fixtures that still need to be rearranged. Some of those Everton, Aston Villa double game weeks that will invariably come at some point. Spurs are going to have a double game week as well, where I might use my triple captain. Um, so that might be an opportunity to use a card to target that specifically or a bench boost for that week. And you could sort of a wild card bench boost combo and, and have a captain pick that gets you 30 points or something ridiculous. Um, so, you know, that's something you could do, um, also, we know there's some rumors, massive double in the final week of the season as well, with stadiums full to the brim um, of fans. I'm not sure if that's going to happen in the current climate. Yeah, exactly. But um, it's all very interesting. Um, it might be something to keep your mind. Aware of, imagine bench boosting for that so wild card. You know, you don't really want to be wild carding game thirty-seven. You could do something really special and just have an amazing final week if, if that all comes to plan. But yeah, we, we obviously don't know if that's true or not at all. Yeah.
1: Okay. Nice. so quite a lot of things open, and especially as well, if you have got a free hit, there's obviously a lot of good opportunities, including that thirty-three. Um, if you were going to take Gear Snoop's thing and have your you have your free hits of the wild card, um. Great, and the possible question this week, we actually, it's a combined one. Uh, Harry Thake um, wrote in, is Aubameyang a good differential for the last bit of the season? And this was simultaneously entered into the question for, with a question from our friend Adam uh, at 3-5-Who, who asked, at what point do we abandon the plan if it isn't bearing fruit? Thinking of the Aubameyang experiment. <laughs> he's, he's not a good, he was a good pick on pay, Adam says, um, but now he seems less good. So you've got one player saying, I'm going to buy Aubameyang. Another player saying, I'm going to sell Aubameyang. and I love those sort of moments. Those pure poetry on them. They come in together. shows the differentiation in people. Uh, to speak about Obamiyang in particular, I think it's been really unlucky, Adam. It's hard to legislate for a fallout of the boss and have the death of the party like that. Uh, there's a really good piece by Art De Roche um, in The Athletic this week which showed how him being positioned on the right as an inside forward drifting inside didn't really work versus West Ham, which left a lot of punters upset. Um, A really fun fact is that Aubameyang has scored 205 points consecutively over the last couple of seasons. He's also scored 22 goals consecutively over the last two seasons. If he's to make that tally again, he needs to score 99 more points and he score 30 more goals so he'll need to score 12 more points per game week to get there if you back him to do that and he does do it wow you can be absolutely amazing now it's probably not going to happen so we're going to be a bit of a fallow year for a for about Um but we've identified previously a couple of game weeks where there are captionable games so game week 31 against Sheffield united 34 against newcastle and nick mentioned west brom 35 against west brom so we're owning him could be a really nice boon for you potentially A quick shout out here for Saka as well. Wow. He's the third biggest underperformer for XGI and FPL with 3.8 fewer goals and assists than he should have versus the expected. Nick, quick quiz. Who is the top underperforming asset for XGI this season? What kids? (laughs) No, Bernardo knows Maldonado's man, even Cavaliero, 4.41
0: underperformance second oh, i've got no you, give you a clue he um, took his he took
1: his hair out and played guitar that's
0: sigurdsson
1: no luke ailing um oh. obviously in that goal I was a david Bowie
0: reference no
1: no no but sigurdsson's <laughs> a david Bowie. okay okay, okay. it's passing resemblance um, and ziggy yeah. ziggy isn't it uh, yeah all right guitar. i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you um <laughs> but yeah luke ailing 4.08 uh underperformance wow Wow. So to answer Harry's question, yeah, absolutely a great differential. Um, Aubameyang, down to 11.2% owned, so it could be something in there. Um, but Asma's question, you know, music is my radar as a psychology. And with owning a player that hasn't quite worked out, it makes me a sunk cost fallacy again, the idea of invested so much in this so I've got to see it through, what is judgment call? And one always play pray to for when you pull out. Not alone, though. You see people like your average Joe FPL account right through to those espousing objectivity and likes of the analytics crowd, uh, falling prey to sign cost fallacy So it's really a case of kind of looking at objective sort of measures and kind of thinking, you know what, it's good to kind of not be like, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm not going to push this through to the end. Just think a little bit about, is there objectively a better choice I can make with that spot in my team? Um, and look at things like you know the UEL or Bam minutes and that ongoing relationship with Arteta to, to kind of navigate that, and of course, kind of you know, ask questions and ask people to challenge your thinking. Um, as long as the challenge is posed respectfully, respectfully, it's probably a good idea to listen to it. Um, Nick, what do you reckon to all that? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't know about Obam to be honest. I think certainly he's an interesting punt, I think it might have been one that could have been hugely successful. I saw a number of um, accounts that kind of went um, for that differential captain actually last week, a bit of a, you know, nostalgic pick from last season, season before. Um, But yeah, it's it's not really worked out for him, has it? And as you said, sort of being shunted onto the right wing um, has kind of really impacted him this campaign in terms of attacking returns. So he's not for me. I think it's partly as well because of the cost of Aubameyang just Mainly, in fact, he's eleven point five million. You know, that money yeah. can certainly be spent better elsewhere. I think certainly you can have to spend quite a chunk of your budget um, just to keep him in your team. And then there's plenty of other midfielders that excite me more at this moment in time.
1: What about um this whole idea of you know having a plan and sticking to it versus when you jump off that boundaries and just admit defeat? Like, what's your threshold normally?
0: Uh, I think you've got to. I've got. I think you've got to maintain flexibility. Uh, you know, I. I'm always one to admit when something doesn't go my way and, and make a change and, and you know, accept a fee to, you know, there obviously has been past seasons where like I've rigidly stuck by Eden Hazard through thick and thin and, and made uh, oh, massive putting on the classics and, uh, now <laughs> sort of about four four years ago, four or four, five years ago probably now, but um, yeah, you know, I, I think you've got to be flexible with your picks and, you know, even if, as I said, I've, I've rubbished players and then I've brought them in because they've, they've hit form. So, you know, I think, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of um, managers that kind of, you know, have you know one thought in the head and and will never you know differ from that particular thought. Or you know, I, I very much encourage trying to look as much of a wider picture. You know, take as much information as possible in before making your decisions.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I've been in that situation, and you know, it wasn't easy. But nothing is. Oh, right. So let's move on to the final question this week <laughs> and it's uh andrew helmsetter again who reliably kind of comes in to ask about captains he says you know there's a lot of options on the table um over the international break and obviously there's any things that do change um but what captaincy options are in our minds this week and obviously it's a nice bridge question to the transfers and captains this week uh, starting off with the captains then um there's obviously quite a few on the table. You know, Harry Kane away at Newcastle, uh, Bruno at home to Br- to Brighton. I know that that will probably be the uh, the EO capture point where people will go, oh, well, Bruno's got a home game. Yeah, let's do that. Or maybe they'll go for Kane. So again, I'm going to go for choice free, which is likely to be... Bamford or Rafinha as I've mentioned earlier on I think Rafinha has massive massive explosion potential in him and um, as I said last week with Seb on that pod that he's the guy who's you know, bossing both the threat and creativity column of the stats so I'm bossed there but in the process of doing this pod that I've seen on Fans Football Scout the sheer number of chances conceded for Sheffield nice through the middle and um, so if there is one guy He's getting lots of chances centrally. It is Bam Bam. So he could be the man who be decently owned. Obviously, he's showing up in the sale for some reason now. But he could be the one who p- shows up as being quite a decent logical captain. But And he's also got the roots to points through penalties as well. But as I said, Rafinha is the one at the moment who I'm kind of thinking could well be a decent sort of low... Still low owned. I think only one in five managers own him. He could be the one that could be my captain but it's between Rafinha and Bam Bam I'm not looking anywhere else I think it'll be those two obviously maybe I will kind of um, you know get stuck in confirmation bias mode but I think I've got a kind of you know from speaking to you Nick for this pod I think it, it might be worth kind of going fully on that route of targeting Sheffield United what about you are you kind of just thinking well it's Bruno time Kane maybe against Newcastle um, I don't really know what you're thinking here, actually.
0: Yeah, I haven't really mentioned it, have I? Um, I you know, I've actually got quite a, a big fear about Bamford. I think, um, you know, he, he's certainly the big risk for damaging my overall rank again this week. Um, and I think, yeah, so um, don't, don't Captain Bamford, sell him, sell him, sell him. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, he probably has a really good shout for the, for the captain's armband if you are looking outside of the more boring picks, let's say, um, and, you yeah, I mean, I do have Bale and Sotten, and that was one of the reasons I wasn't really sure about Captain and Kane because I felt like I'm, I'm backing my own team too heavily here, going all out, bro- all out for broke, saying that Spurs are going to essentially quadrupling up on the Spurs attack um, against Newcastle. So it's, it's always a recipe for disaster when you go for something like that. Now I do actually have the armband on him at the moment on my screen, so. He's possibly going to be the one that I go for. Bruno oversees the other one. It's a very boring pick, isn't he? So, you know, he's an option, of course. But um, at the moment, it's on Kane. I just don't think I've even changed it since since last week. I haven't really thought about it, to be honest. So, you know, normally I'd make a decision on the pod, but... Um, and awesome. tend to stick with it, but this week I'm really up in the air. Um, in, terms of, in terms of the transfers, though, I'm, I'm, I'm really keen on Alonso, as I said earlier on in the pause, perhaps selling Cancelo. Um, I've got a bit of cash, actually, so I could even sell someone else. But, uh, yeah, thinking about Alonso in just for that West Brom game, I've just got a little bit of excitement. in my mind about that one? See if yeah. that works out. Probably not. He's probably not to play. But, yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm looking at going the other way
1: um so i'm transferring out ola Ina. i've got nine million pounds to spend so <laughs> i'll be selling ola aina and um i'm probably gonna be looking at boring boring dave over the sexy option of alonso so going with uh, the latter day diaz and stones in rudiger and piquetta uh, just because i think alonso's got players who can sub in for him, but Azpilicueta, club captain, etc., etc. et cetera. I'm sure that Mr. Tickle is going to want, you know, to finish as high as he can in the league as well as prioritizing the Champions League. So I think it's going to be Azpilicueta for me, but I mean, they're all 10 below 10%. Owned. So at the end of the day, it's all very good. I love the exposure potential of Alonso. I love the nostalgia pick. I can just randomly see Chilwell playing and then uh, Alonso showing up in the Champions League. I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I could be tempted onto Alonso. I'm not going to, I'm not saying I'm definitely getting that. de at this point, uh, well, I mean, yeah, nice pod, Nick. I've gotten through, uh, three beers during this pod. So apologies for any slurring or non sequiturs.
0: yeah, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, so that's a lot, isn't it? This time. Yeah, we're done. So, uh, Well, we were who got the assist. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. I think we're going to see Stag hopefully back for the next pod. We might do his favourite on the beach special. I think that's the plan. Yeah. His return. Uh, And we also, for all time's sake, uh, snuck in another little theme as well. So a few oddball references here and there for our uh, music fans who listen to the pod.
1: Yep, yeah, it won't be in every week. Just, just just, one we'll throw in while we've got these OG pods going on. They won't be in next week. On that note, thanks so much for listening. I'm finally moving house uh, this Friday, meaning I'll hopefully be set up in time for the next game week. Yep, I've conveniently timed this over the international break. Have a great break before the run-in relish this time away from fantasy football. It's been pretty relentless, hasn't it? In the meantime, I hope to assist you can think about that kind of home straight at least. And um, we look forward to coming back with Anthony and the correspondence in early April. Ciao for now. Take care and speak to you from our new house uh very, very soon. Bye bye. Cool. All right. Thanks, mate. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist?